Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. We've made some good progress today. I just want to remind everyone that talking about your bad church experiences is the first step to healing. So does anyone else have any experiences they'd like to share? Yeah, I've got one. You guys would not believe what I went through. That was my grandfather's watch. Good morning. Don't worry, we're not going to pass a plate and make you give up your jewelry or your grandfather's watch. Promise, not gonna happen. My name's Anita. And I'm filling in for Jason Kilby today, and I'm super excited to deliver the message today. But before we do that, God just whispered in my ear a praise report. So this past uh, a week, we had our Love Loud Now event, which was um, held at the Boyle County Library, and it was the Kentucky Blood Center, right? So we were donating blood. It was on short notice, right? I think we just uh, discussed it last Sunday, and it was on, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. So not a lot of time. Listen, you know how awesome you all are and how awesome God is? We beat the record for the most registered in Boyle County. Yeah, that's worthy of praise. So I want to give you all a thanks. I love being a part of a place that takes it out in the streets. And it's not about four walls, but we're just loving people. And, you know, all I kept thinking is, you know, people will pray to God to, you know, for help. And he's throwing out lifesavers. He's throwing out lifesavers and life vests and and he's doing that all the time. That's you and me. So all those people that showed up that day, you were a lifesaver. So I just want to say thank you on behalf of Juju. Um, it was her request that we come up with 86 units of blood. We got 76, but they're also doing a drive on Bowling Green. So you can still give blood under that, uh, that name. So we're excited. She says thanks. Thank you. It's awesome. God is good. So like I said, I'm filling in for lead pastor Jason Kilby. For those of you who are new, um, don't know that, my name is Anita. He's on vacation at the lovely beach getting some sun. That's okay. I'm not jealous. I'm happy. I'm excited. Um, but he, I can tell he's in a, in a good place and he's getting rest because he sends me a message and he's like, hey, Anita, even Cleveland fans get to heaven. Inside joke. I'm from Cleveland, and Cleveland's the butt of many jokes around here, so I'm going to take that as a word of encouragement. I'm going to go with it. So like I said, my name's Anita. We are in the middle of what's called my bad church experience, all right? Now, there are good experiences, too, and that's why I'm here. Um, You know, when we're allowed to lean into God, there's many things that we can share, and that's why I'm here today, to share Jesus because Jesus changed my life. So just know that we are not bashing church. That's not what this is about. All right, so just a question, all right? Raise your hand if you have not had a bad church experience. If you have not. I'm just curious, and it's okay. Nobody? Okay, so then we all have something in common. All right, another question. This is a little different. 
Who has had a bad church experience without stepping into a church? How many of you had a bad church experience? I see somebody in the back. Anybody just, okay, think, yeah, okay, you all can be honest here. You are in a church house, y'all, you can't lie. All right, well, I have, and I'm going to share it with you because I think it's funny. It's not funny, but it's funny, if that makes sense. So I've been in, um, I've been in Danville for almost six years, and I had been living here maybe, maybe two weeks tops, and there was a lady who had come to my house. It was a Wednesday night. She came by to pick up a, a check, and um, she invited me to church. So I'm thinking, yeah, great. I'm new here. I want to make some friends. I want to go check out this place. And I go to grab my keys and my wallet, <laughs> and I turn around, and she's like, maybe another time. So I'm like, I just got dissed within two seconds. Like, what happened? Well, I was wearing a sweater and jeans, so I'm like, okay, I, I can go change. But she was done. Like, she was already out the door. Needless to say, she never asked me to go to church. I never got to go to this church, so maybe it's a good thing that I didn't go to that church. So... Maybe you have had a similar experience. Anybody have a, a similar experience like that? Maybe it's been, I don't know, out on the street, someone else's home, on the sidewalk, in a restaurant. Am I the only one? Has something similar? All right. Y'all can go there. Okay, so what we're going to talk about today, the first thing, church culture designed for church people. Church culture designed for church people. Who in here grew up in a church when they were young? Anybody go to church when they were young? Okay. All right, so in your church, you had your own culture too, right? There's a culture, it's, when we talk about culture, it's how we do things, it's how we think, it's how we act, right? So um, there's usually a way that you all did things specifically. In my church, I grew up Southern Baptist, and, you know, we had plays at, at Christmas and Easter. That was expected. If you didn't have it, I mean, something was wrong. Um, we had potlucks at the Parsonage Fellowship where you just gorged yourself, literally until you were sick and busting out of your pants. Um, we had choir. You know, everybody was involved in choir, so we didn't sound that great. But we sang out of hymnals. We sat in pews. Um, there was a certain way we did weddings. There was a certain way we did funerals. A uh, certain way we did baptisms. Absolutely not would a lady even think about baptizing somebody. It was the pastor and the pastor only. We had a youth group. We had a dress code. And if you were not reading out of the King James Version Bible what you were reading was garbage. That's how they looked at it. It's not the word. And so we had our own culture. Now, a little bit about my church experience growing up, just my, my upbringing. Uh, like I said, I, I grew up in a Southern um, Baptist home. My parents took my brothers and I, my two older brothers, they took us to church from a very early age, from the time we were babies, until we got to an age where we could say, I don't want to go. So we had that you know, flexibility. I don't feel like going, okay, well, we're not going. You want to go? We'll drop you off. Because at that point, my parents quit going. They would take us when we wanted to go. So, you know, I was around 10 years old, and, you know, I was saved. I invited Jesus into my heart, and I was real excited, and I tell my mom, and, and she goes to this, you know, go to the Sunday school teacher, Anita, that's what you do. So I go to the Sunday school teacher who'd been there for probably 50 decades. It was a really long time. I think she was my mom's Sunday school teacher. Um, and so I tell her, and so she had this look of surprise on her face, and she goes to talk to somebody out in another room. And then they come back in, and they start picking a few other kids, not all of us, just a few others. So then she marches us up in the front, in front of the pastor and the whole entire church like this, um, and it was a little scary. These other kids had no idea what was going on. They had the look of, they were horrified, like, what have we done? But it was announced that all of us were being baptized. 
Now, the other three, um, there was one who was a deacon's daughter. There was one that was a grandchild of one of the elders. And there was another one who was um, related to the family that ran the church. We had a family that actually ran the church, right? So it was their way. It was their way. So it made um, sense to me why they were being baptized because I was a bad kid. I really was. And I came from a family that was not considered, um, you know, right with God. My parents didn't go to that church. We were members, but, you know, it was kind of like we weren't in, you know what I'm saying? So that was, it was a little different for me. I thought that, I didn't know what to think about it. It was almost like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough to be baptized there. And I wasn't. I was baptized in the middle of December. I wasn't going to the river. They took me to another church. And their little, uh, what is that called, a baptistry? Yeah. So I was a little bummed because I wanted to be in the river, for real. I wanted to get dunked with the fish. But it didn't happen. It was too cold. So also, we had a dress code. Uh, This was a very um, vivid memory that I have. Uh, I was sitting in the sanctuary, and we had some first-time visitors. And uh, they were ladies. They brought their kids, well-dressed, very attractive. And there's a time in our, our sermon where, you know, any prayer requests, there's a a stop where they, they pause, any prayer requests, anything that we want to talk about, any concerns or, or whatever. And, and there was a lady that stood up and made it known that if you are a female coming to our church, you are to wear dresses. Anybody ever experienced that? Okay. Well, at that point in my life, God had been opening my eyes to many things. And when I heard that, I literally wanted to crawl underneath the pew or go punch her in the face. Those are my choices. I did neither. I really wanted to punch her in the face. I'm not kidding. So I was disgusted. And I went home and I, and I told my mom about it. And she's like, why do you think we don't go? I'm like, why didn't you tell me? I was kind of mad. Like, why didn't you tell me? I was out of the loop. But I said I wasn't going to go back. And I didn't. I didn't go back to that church, even though it was my family's church. My mother went to that church. My grandmother, my great-grandmother. I can tell you where they all sit. Aunts, uncles, um, cousins. It was, I mean, I can tell you everything about it. It's, it's really kind of crazy. Um, but I never went back. I went back for weddings and funerals. And it's been a long time since I went back because really nobody goes there anymore. I think it's dwindled down to maybe 20 people. So I, I didn't go back. Um, around that time as well, my, my brothers and my cousins, they were in a youth group. And I was, I was too young. I was, I was 10. And so they, they had youth group, but there was a lot of drama there was a lot of drama in the youth group, but it wasn't with the students. Sadly, it was with the adults. It was with the leaders. It was people who weren't even a part of the youth group. Like, I don't know. So they would try to make plans, but nobody could stick with the plan. They couldn't get along. They couldn't agree on anything. So if you wanted to go to a bowling alley, take the kids bowling, guess what? There's alcohol there. We can't take them bowling because there's alcohol. We can't take them here because there's alcohol. We can't go to this restaurant. They serve alcohol. It was such a mess that it fell apart. I mean, the youth group just fell apart. I was never a part of, of a youth group. And so I get excited and I try to encourage our youth to come to living room here because it was something I was never a part of. And great things happen in the right environment. And so that's something that we strive to do is create an environment where students can come and they can feel the love of Jesus because it certainly wasn't in the youth group at my church. Just saying. I don't, I don't know what was going on there. It wasn't Jesus, that's for sure. So I was never part of a, a youth group. But about... Four years later, I'm 14, and this is when my life starts to spiral out of control. 
Um, I just, I gave up in a lot of ways. Um, you know, drugs, alcohol. Um, really, I was, I was telling James Hunt earlier, Pastor Hunt, that there was a point in my life when I was like, God, can you just take me in my sleep? Like, I really just wanted to go. I wanted to go home. So this was not a, a very good time in my life, but I had a dear friend who invited me to her church. She was a Lutheran. She invited me to go on a church camp with her youth group. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I want to do that. It sounds fun. I like the woods. You know, I like worms and stuff. So I was, I was looking forward to it. And it was a good experience. I felt Jesus there. I saw compassion. I saw people coming together. And it was just a lot of fun. And it was more than fun. I saw, I saw something different. And so... Not long after that, I was excited. I'm like, maybe I'm going to go check this out. Because Lutheran, from what I understand, is very different than Baptist. So I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm curious because it has to be better than what I came from. But around this time, they had, they had a pastor, and he was awesome. Everybody loved him. And he was just a lot of fun, very charismatic. He, just, he was great. So great, though, that they put him up on a celebrity status. You all know what I'm talking about? These pastors that are like rock stars. He was that. He was dearly loved. Everybody wanted to be around him. Um, there was a scandal. He got caught up in a scandal, caught up in a sin with another leader in the church, and it created all kinds of havoc in this church, division at its finest. I mean, this church, the whole, they got rocked. Their world was rocked there, and they didn't know what to do. A lot of fighting, a lot of in-house bickering, but instead of loving this man through his sin, he was kicked out instantly, like, instantly. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, you all put him up here. You all put him here, and now you can't wait to kick him when he's down. It was very ugly to me. I didn't know how to process it. I didn't have anybody to process it with because, you know, in their eyes, he was complete evil. And I didn't see it that way. Um, I saw it as, man, if anybody needs Jesus right now, it's him. And it's this other person that was involved, and we need to rally around them. But that's not what I saw. That church fell apart. And Alyssa say, um, I didn't go back to church. I, I didn't get to go to that church. So I, matter of fact, I never went back to church until about, I guess, six years ago when I, I myself went through enough pain that I asked God, take my life, take my life, and do something with it. And he most certainly did. He told me to go home, which was find a church. And so I did. So that was my bad church experience. Um, you know, and we seem to all do it differently. There's Baptists, there's Catholics, Methodists, Lutherans, uh, what do we have? Pentecostal, Episcopalian. There's like all these different churches. We're serving the same God, but we're all doing it differently. Um, you can't baptize that way. You can't, um, you can't do it. You can't read that Bible. Um, it might have been like funerals, weddings, whatever it is. They all do it differently, and they all seem to argue about who's doing it the right way. Have you all heard that before? It may be in your church in the past, I don't know. But everybody seems to be arguing. Does anyone see this as a problem? Anybody see that as a problem? I think God sees that as a problem. And if God sees that as a problem, we should see that as a problem. Um, because if Jesus came and died for everyone, and the message is for everyone, then church should be for everyone. Did y'all get that? Yeah. If the death of Jesus was for everyone and his good news is for everyone, we're sharing the gospel, right? Then the church should be for everyone. So we've talked a lot about Paul here lately in this sermon series. We know Paul originally was Saul, right? And if you don't know, we'll just do a brief 
brief overview, uh, Saul made it his mission to kill Christians. That was the bottom line. He persecuted them. He tormented them. He, uh, that, was, that was his mission. That was his life, uh, was to go and destroy Christianity until he had an encounter with Jesus, right? So Jesus completely transforms him, completely, renames him Paul, and Jesus tells Paul to go share this good news with as many people as possible. Go to all the ends of the earth, Paul, and share this. So because of Paul, he's written a good chunk of the Bible. So our church is, a lot of it the way it is, is because of Paul, what he's done uh, for us and his just obedience, right? And so Paul writes a letter to the Roman Christians, all right, he, he wants to do something different. He writes a letter to the Roman Christians. This is first century, right? So this is, remember that the Jews are waiting for a king in all his splendor to come riding in and, you know, take over the world. But, you know, they were surprised. So Romans, if you have your Bible, go ahead and pull that out. Um, if you don't, there are some Bibles in the back at the connection point. There's a couple. Um, pull out your phone. Some of you will have the app. I won't think you're texting or not paying attention to me. And if you're not, that's okay too. Um, or just follow on the screen. So we are at Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. So Paul says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who behave. Righteousness means right standing with God, by the way. So this right standing with God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who behave, all meaning everyone. Does anybody see anything wrong with that? Anybody? Come on. Believe, yeah. It's not behave. It's not behave, it's believe. Right, so I'm gonna read that again. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all, everyone, who believe. So he goes on to say, in 23, there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no difference. It doesn't matter what your sin is, what your sin is, what my sin is. There is no difference. Why? We've all sinned. And we all fall short of the glory of God. So take a look at the word glory. All right, we're gonna look at the word glory. Definition, prestige, greatness, splendor, radiance. Um, I, don't, I don't really know a whole lot where that word describes it. It describes God, for sure. So we're looking at the word glory. I wanna give a, 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 try to stick with me here. I'm gonna give an example of what that scripture is. So there's no difference between the Jew and Gentile for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So um, in my early 20s, I worked for the airline industry. I worked for American and Delta. Seriously, y'all, I used to have on my voicemail, Delta, 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 can I help you, help you, help you? <laughs> Nobody? People hated to leave messages on my phone. It was great. I don't know why I said that. I just did. It's funny. So I used to work for the airline industry. And I worked um, in Dallas-Fort Worth and Miami International. I worked as a gate agent. If you've ever flown into those airports, you know how crazy it can be. They're just big, uh, people from all over the world, different uh, languages, very busy. I mean, it's like crackalacking, right? I mean, you have to be on it. So think about how many planes come in and out of those airports every day. We're talking thousands, right, thousands. So there's a lot of rules and regulations that the FAA has imposed on us. 
And if they are not followed, there are penalties, right? Penalties in the form of fines. So lots of planes that have to get to and fro, there's a time, there's a time limit. And so if a plane is not departed from the gate at a specific time, there are fines. So just keep that in mind when you're not really, you know, hurrying up to get to the, the airport, right? Just keep that in mind. So at the gate, you know, you might have someone show up, they're a minute late, um, 15 minutes late, they might be half an hour, they might be an hour. I've had some really late. I've had some two weeks late. Like, dude, your flight was two weeks ago. Wrong day. And they get really mad. I've had, some, I've had to have some people arrested in the airport. It's not fun. Um, so once this gate is closed, once the door is shut, the jet bridge pulls away from, from the, the gate, right? So once that door is shut and they pull away, nobody's getting on, right? So what do all these people in common have? What do they have in common? Sorry. All these people that are late, what do they have in common? They're not getting on the plane, right? They're all late. It doesn't matter if it's 56 seconds, 16 minutes. It doesn't matter. They're all late. And that's what Paul is saying. We are all late and we all fall short of the glory of God. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me? Um, So there's no difference among us. There's none. We're all late. So Romans, I'm, I'm trying to stay with it here. Because I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited, y'all. And I've been excited for two days. And I'm from Cleveland, so I talk really fast. So if you need me to slow down, it's okay to just give me the the hands. Um, So Paul goes on to say in Romans 3.24, And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Freely. Justified freely by his grace, meaning we didn't have to do anything to earn it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that should be exciting, right? Um, we don't have to earn our way into God's good graces. For me, that, that is like hallelujah, because I need to hear that. I get in trouble daily. Daily. So redemption, redemption. When we talk about that, it means buyback, right? So freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Jesus Christ. So God is buying us back through Jesus. God sent Jesus to redeem us, to buy us back. That's exciting to me, for real. Um, God did something new then, and he's doing something new now. He wants to do something new. He's still doing something new. So we go on into Romans 3, 27. Paul's talking here. He says, where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that observing the law? No, on that of faith. Meaning... We can't sit and say, well, I'm, you know, I do all these things right. I'm, I pray three times a day. I'm doing my devotion in the morning while I drink my coffee. And I'm just a really good Christian. I follow the rules. I'm doing everything right. Y'all ever heard that? Why, God? Why am I in this place? I'm doing everything right. And God is saying, why are you boasting about your behavior? It's because of Jesus that we can boast. We can boast in Jesus um, because he is ultimately good. And it's because of him that we can even do many things. Um, So we all got in after the gate is closed, right? Jesus is the gatekeeper. And and that story I just told you, bring you back around to it. Bring you back around. Jesus is the gatekeeper. We're all late, but we're all in because of him. That's exciting. So if the message of the church is for everybody, 
the culture of the church shouldn't exclude anybody. Going back to our culture, how we do things. If the message of the church is for everybody, the culture of the church shouldn't exclude anybody. Our culture, I think, and you might disagree, but I, I believe that our culture gets in the way of the message sometimes. We make it difficult sometimes. Um, this is not a country club. You don't have to dress a certain way to come here. It's really interesting because we have a new visitor today, and, and one of the things uh, we talked about before it started was, wow, everybody is so nice here, and it's so laid back, and people are wearing jeans. I'm like, yes, that's it. That's my message, but I didn't tell her that. Like, that's what we're going to talk about. And so that's it. If, if people can feel the love of Jesus, regardless of what we're wearing, that's a win. We're winning. Um, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't express that enough, um, that our, our culture sometimes gets in the way of the message. So James, who is the brother of Jesus, right? James is the brother of Jesus. He's seen all these miracles. He's seen all these great things that Jesus has done, yet he was not a Christ follower until after the resurrection. Anybody? It took Jesus dying and coming back to life and confronting him before he became a Christ follower. Talk about being late. James is pretty late. I mean, that plane had already departed in the sky. He was way late. But, but Jesus says, hey, join me. So James, he tells us in Acts chapter 15, 19, verse 19, he said, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That speaks to us. That still speaks to us today. Let's not make it difficult for people who are trying to find Jesus, who are trying to turn their way in. How many times have we said, you're not dressed appropriately, you can't come to church? I mean, that happened in my own house. I didn't even step out of the door and I was already rejected, boom. You know, that happened in my house. So where are other people hearing this message? How frustrating that must be for Jesus. He's probably like, come on, you know? So here are people wanting to know more about Jesus, but all these rules are making that hard to happen. And James is saying, stop it, just stop. Stop with all these rules. Stop with all these laws. You're making it difficult. Get out of God's way. I feel like that's what he's saying. I think he says that today. Stop it. So what are we doing to make it difficult? What are we doing? And think about that personally in your own, in your own walk. What are we doing to make it difficult for people to find Jesus? Maybe new believers are like, what is this all about on the third floor? Y'all are in a bank. It's dark. What are you doing up there? What are you telling them, right? So if the message of the church is for everybody, we dare not create a church culture that's an obstacle to anybody. If the message of the church is for everybody, we dare not create a church culture that's an obstacle to anybody. So here at the Loft, here at Centerpoint, we want to be a place where anyone can come, anyone. Um, when someone asks me, Anita, what kind of church do you go to? They always say, what denomination, right? Is that what you hear when they ask you what church you could do? What denomination is that? This is what I tell people. It's interdenominational because all are welcome. All are welcome. It doesn't matter. We've got some folks in here that come from a Catholic background. We've got people that are Baptist background. We've got people Pentecostal. Woo! That's right. We've got people from all different walks, and you are all are welcome here. That, I think that's what God is saying the entire time. 
it's, all, it's not about you and me and how we do things. It's about God and what he wants to do with us and through us. And so we want to be a place that's all-inclusive. That's, that's our, our vision here, right? So a right standing, we're talking about righteousness, a right standing with God is available from God through Christ to everyone who believes. To everyone who believes. A right standing with God is available from God through Christ to everyone who believes. So where are you? That's my question right now. I want you to think about this. Where are you? Is it just a behavior pattern for you? Is it a behavior, like I'm doing this, this, and this, or you have to be a certain way? Or do you believe that God can change anything? I believe that God can transform an alcoholic. I believe that God can transform a drug addict. I believe that God can break people free from the bondage of pornography. I believe that he can breathe new life into someone who's wanting to take their own life. I believe that he can restore marriages after adultery, not just restore, I think he can make them better than they were in the first place. Society doesn't want to tell us that. They say, you have the right to go, you should go. And sometimes that's the case. But I believe God can do anything with anyone in any situation. I believe he can heal the sick. I believe he can take emotional pain and make it his gain. I believe he can take victims of sex abuse and make them overcomers. Whether it's assault, maybe it's sex trafficking. And I know because I'm one of them, I'm living proof. I believe he can do anything he wants with anyone, anytime. And there's many of us in here that are living proof, are we not? So the purpose of the church is more important than the culture of the church. I had a conversation, um, I think it was yesterday, and one of the things that uh, she said to me was, you know, when people talk about Centerpoint, um, they don't really talk about how great the message is. Even though it's great, they don't talk about how awesome the band is or, you know, the atmosphere. They don't talk about that. What they talk about is, hey, what you all are doing on the street is amazing, You are loving people in a a way that's just knocking it out of the park. And it made my heart smile because I'm like, yes, yes, we're we're getting it. We're doing something right. And we're taking church outside these four walls. What does that look like if everybody did that? If all of us who called ourselves believers, what if we did that? How awesome would our city be? What would the projects look like? Would we still have overdoses? Would we still have prostitution? Would we still have murders? Would we still have the abortion levels rising? Would we have these things if they really took the message to the people instead of waiting for them to come here or judging them? You can't come here because you don't look a certain way. You don't dress a certain way. You're not the right race or I don't know. It goes on and on. It's kind of, I'm over it. Honestly, I'm I'm kind of done. I'm over it. I don't want anyone to miss Jesus because of something we are doing. Do y'all get that? I don't want anyone to miss life change through Jesus because of something we are doing. I'm gonna pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much that we don't have to earn our way into your good grace, Lord. 
thank you that you have redeemed us, that you've bought us back. You've given us the option that we're not doomed. Um, For those of us that believe in you, God, you have given us new life. Thank you for transforming people. Thank you for transforming situations, Lord, and glorifying yourself through these things, God. We bring you glory, and we want to be blessed. We want to be a blessing to others, Father. And God, help us. Help us. Forgive us when we are obstacles to those who are looking and seeking and searching for you, Father. Help us love those in a way that points them to you, Lord. And it's not about us. It's not about whether or not we think someone's dressed appropriately or whether or not the youth group isn't being ran right. And, you know, we all have opinions, but ultimately it comes back to you. And we need to believe in your power that you and you alone can change anyone, anything, any circumstance, any pain for your good, Father. So we thank you. We thank you. We praise you. We love you, Jesus. You are mighty. Your ways are mighty. We cannot understand them, Lord. Help us just live in your word outside of these walls. Help us just take a leap of faith. Do something crazy, radical, bold in your name, Father. It's in your wonderful, beautiful, precious name we pray. Amen.